You know what time it is? Hello? Can you hear me? It's time to return to the best progressive talk show in Chicago. Joan Esposito. Live, local, and progressive. Now on WCPT 820. Dr. Annie Andrews is a pediatrician. She's also a mom. And she really cares about kids. She worked as a pediatrician at the Children's Hospital in Charleston, South Carolina, for more than 10 years. She's also politically active. Uh, She ran for Congress at one point in her career. She was the nominee for South Carolina's first congressional district in 2022. She's uh, currently a professor of pediatrics at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. And she is a gun violence prevention researcher. In that vein, she decided to start a group called Their Future, Our Vote to try to continue to put pressure on the elected officials and just regular NRA members and people who live in this country to try to reduce gun violence, particularly where it affects children. Dr. Andrews, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Talk to us about Their Future, Our Vote. Why did you start it and what do you see as the mission? Yeah, so my background of being a pediatrician at a children's hospital for almost 15 years, plus my role as a mom to three elementary school children, and then my experience running for Congress last cycle really shined a light for me on this huge gap in our national political landscape, which is that children do not have a voice in Washington, D.C. There are plenty of fantastic organizations that do policy work and lobby on behalf of children, but nobody shows up in Washington, D.C. with political power, with money to support a child-centered agenda. And for me, as a pediatrician and mom, I just couldn't stay on the sidelines and let that happen. So we're trying to build political power for kids in D.C. What does a child-centered agenda look like? Well, we have six main areas of policy focus, but you already mentioned gun violence, and that is a deep passion of mine. I have cared for so many children with bullet holes in them. And when I decided to become a pediatrician, I never in a million years thought I would see so many children who had been shot. And the thing about gun violence in children is that it is preventable. We know what the solutions are. We just lack leaders with the moral courage and the political courage to get in line with what the majority of American people want. Policies like universal background checks, secure storage laws, red flag laws, increased funding for gun violence prevention research. So that is a big passion of the organization, and that is something that their future, our vote, will always be focused on. But in addition to addressing the public health crisis of gun violence, we're focused on urgent action on climate change. Because I think if we as adults in this country fail to pass down a healthy planet to our children, there is really no greater failure that we can give them. So we have to act with urgency. We also have to secure our democracy so we can actually pass down a healthy democracy to our children. We need to work on strengthening our public education system rather than attacking it like we see from the Republican extremists these days. We need to work on addressing our skyrocketing health care costs. You know, 
as a pediatrician at a children's hospital, I would stand at the bedside of sick children and I'd be talking to parents about what the plan is going to be. And far too often, those parents would have to stop me and say, oh, but wait a second, doctor, how much is that insulin going to cost? Or how much is this new asthma inhaler going to cost? And in 2023, in the United States of America, that is such a shameful um, vision of our healthcare system. No parent should have to worry about whether or not they can afford their child's illness. So we'll be focusing on affordable health care as well. That is a very ambitious slate you've got there. <laughs> It is, but, you know, I, as I see it, every issue that's discussed in Washington, D.C., essentially every issue, is a children's issue. And if you boil it down to which side is good for kids and which side is bad for kids, it becomes pretty clear who those of us who care about children in the next generation should be voting for. But what, what we lack right now is that blueprint for parents and grandparents who truly care about their children and grandchildren in the next generation they don't really see how that correlates with how they vote when they walk into the voting booth on election day. So we're going to try to create that blueprint so that people understand that their vote directly relates to children's well-being in this country. What you just said is so important, and I wish more activists and organizations thought like that because, you know, I'm I, I pretty much every day I've been bemoaning uh, that fact that at, Alabama sent Tommy Tuberville to the Senate. And I think it was like, oh, we know that name. We love football. Yeah, he seems like a good guy. Let's send him to the Senate. And I don't think mm-hmm. that there was a real deep investigation into just who this man really was and, frankly, whether or not he had what it takes to be an effective senator. And I think that so often when even people who consider themselves involved and and activists, you go to the voting booth and you don't always know what the implications are, um, what the stands are of people who you see on the ballot. And that kind of information, by the way, you know, Joe Smith is on the ballot. You know, you should know that Joe Smith, when he was in this other office, voted against every proposal that came across his desk that would have helped support children or would have helped fed children. That's just something, you know, you ought to know about Joe Smith before you walk into the voting booth. And I think people are hungry for this kind of information. And it's hard to to put it all together and to get it to the people who need to see it. That's going to be a big challenge for your group. That's exactly right. I couldn't agree more. You know, parents are busy. Everyone is busy. It's hard to really get to the bottom of what our candidates stand for. And there's so much noise out there. It's hard to understand and to find out what the truth is. One of the things we're going to be doing as an organization leading up to the 2024 election cycle is report cards. So we want to identify those folks who are currently in Congress who are what we would consider, you know, bullies, really bad on children's issues. And we want to highlight that by publishing report cards on them so that, again, parents and grandparents and folks who care about kids, which honestly I think the majority of Americans would look you straight in the face and say they care very deeply about the next generation. And But we've got to get people to line that up with their votes. And then we can quickly change the way we talk about these issues in Washington, D.C., and we can get the Republican Party to come to the right side of these issues because all of a sudden it will become politically valuable to be child-centered, to be a kids-first congressperson, and that's the future we are trying to build. 
Have you started putting together these report cards already? We have not graded any specific candidates yet, but we have our grading metrics all set up, and we are looking in the next few months, the next quarter, to try to start getting those out so that voters in these districts can understand how bad some of their representatives are on these kids' issues. And can you give us an example of what one or two of the metrics you're going to be looking at are? Yeah, so, you know, for incumbents, we're going to be looking specifically at their voting records and then secondarily at bills that they have sponsored or co-sponsored. And so on the issue of guns, you know, incumbents who voted against the Safer Communities Act, which, you know, 14 Republican senators, including my senator, Lindsey Graham, voted for, folks who voted against that are going to get a failing grade from us on the issue of gun violence. Folks who voted against, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act and the climate change provisions in that bill are going to get a failing grade from us on climate change. And really, like when you take a few steps back and boil it down to these sort of simple principles, it becomes quite simple to identify the people who are fighting for our kids and the people who could not care less about our kids' future. And we have so many folks up in Congress, both in the House and the Senate, like you said, Tommy Tuberville. We have people who are not there for the right reasons. They are not interested in actually helping their constituents. They are not going to fight for our kids. They are interested in gaining their own political power, climbing that ladder. And that is not good enough for my kids or anybody else's kids. Um, Do you have a fundraising arm? Because I know you have a 501c4 advocacy organization. Um, um determination from the government but i think there you also if i understand correct you have a political action committee could you explain how you're doing your work and how you're fundraising yes absolutely so this this whole concept is only going to be successful as the amount of support we are able to gain through our fundraising efforts you know we have to put our money where our mouth is and we have to get behind this movement. And so you're right, we have a 501c4, which that organization will do both the advocacy work of educating voters and also some political work. But we also have a hybrid political action committee so that we can give direct candidate donations and also, if we fundraise enough, do independent expenditure work on behalf of candidates in the 2024 election cycle who are true champions for children. So we're fundraising into both of those entities right now, and that is what we are laser-focused on because this idea can be the best idea ever, but if we don't have money behind it, it's not going to be successful. It's not going to move the needle in Washington, D.C. And again, as a parent, I feel like the moment for children in this country goes grows more urgent by the day. So this has to work, and we are so committed as an organization to making this work, but we're going to rely on fundraising for like-minded people all across this country who want our elected officials to start to put children first. When you... Um have these report cards ready, where can people go to find them? Yeah, so our website is their future, ourvote.org, and we are also very active on social media. So we're at their underscore, underscore future on Twitter. Um, my personal Twitter is also very active and we'll be amplifying that, Annie Andrews, MD. And, you know, we're going to try to get as much press as we can as we release these report cards um, and work with candidates to do so as well. So hopefully a lot of eyes will get on these report cards and voters, voters like me, moms with young children will start to really connect 
their, you know, their choices in the voting booth to their children's well-being. And we can finally create the change our children need and deserve. Are you going to do um, state-by-state report cards? Or are you going to focus on the national level or both? Or how is it? Who, who are you going to be looking at? So our goal is to build a large organization that can do um, to, can do report cards at all levels, all electoral levels. But as a new organization, we know we need to keep our focus and secure some successes in 24. So right now we're planning on focusing on federal house races, and we're planning on starting our report card process with those folks who we think are, number one, beatable currently in Congress, and number two, really troublesome on these children's issues. So we're going to develop a list of targets and really go after them to educate voters in their districts about how bad they are for children's issues. And if we have a successful 2024 cycle with fundraising and helping elect the kids' first majority in Congress, then we'll build from there. And in 26, we can get involved at the state level and beyond. Indivisible, uh, the national indivisible, not, I'm not talking about local indivisible right now. They have identified, I think it is six national Republicans who um, got their seat, but their district went for Joe Biden in the last election. And they've said, you know, this is where they're going to start with these eight folks who should be vulnerable. How are you going to... Um, zero in on who is the most vulnerable. I think that's a really smart strategy for Indivisible, and we're going to be developing a list in a really similar way. You know, there are some bullies in Congress who are unfortunately in deeply gerrymandered districts who are just not beatable. There is value in drawing attention to how bad those folks are on children's issues. But when it comes to spending money, we want to be really smart and efficient with the people who are generous enough to donate to this cause. So we're going to be looking at the map and understanding where other organizations are spending money and try to come in with money where it's going to have the biggest impact. So, again, winnable races, candidates who are true champions for children and aren't afraid to put these issues front and center. And then candidates who need financial help, because there's going to be some races that have resources from all of these major progressive organizations dumping into their races. So we want to find a place where our money and our messaging is going to be truly impactful. And I want to give the website again, theirfutureourvote.org. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, that is correct. We have uh, about one minute left. What is one message that you would like to leave our listeners with? I would just say that right now there is no organization, there is no avenue for folks who want to get loud, who want to get political for our kids. There are some great organizations doing important policy work, but they are constrained by their 501c3 status or whatever it is. But we want to be a very public-facing, bold organization who is willing to say what needs to be said on behalf of our children so that we can build the future that they all deserve. This moment is urgent, and we have to succeed at that. And to do that, we need everyone to support what we're trying to build. You know, I talk to uh, political observers all the time and the, about the great divide between partisans in this country. And to a person, they always say, start with some sort of area of common agreement. And and then, once you've established, yes, we both feel this way on this issue, then the doors are open 
to maybe getting into things that are a little bit more difficult. And if there isn't an issue, there, if there isn't agreement that we all want a safe, better world for our kids, I don't know what that would be. It would seem like this would be the perfect place to bring the right and the left together behind one cause. I think you've got great potential here. Thank you so much. That is beautifully said, and I could not agree more. There is nothing more unifying in this world than our hope for a brighter future for our kids. Thanks. Thanks, Dr. Andrews. Pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Keep me abreast every step of the way, because I'd love to. You've got some of these report cards. I want you to come back on the radio, and we're going to talk about them in detail. I would love to do that. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. We're going to take a break for news. We're going to talk to David Orr when we come right back after this. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. 